Hi, before I get to my next guest, Allison Kurt, I want to give a couple of more shout outs to our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give another shout out to our friends over at the McLemore. The McLemore Mountaintop community rests atop the highlands of Lookout Mountain, Georgia, overlooking historic McLemore Cove and Pigeon Mountain. Surrounded on all sides by state and national parks, historic land districts, and private land trusts. The resort features an 18-hole Reese Jones and Bill Bergen championship course, a gated residential community, and a planned clubhouse opening in the fall of 2020, plus planned hotel and conference center. The dramatic 18-hole course is made up of a variety of golf experiences, combining canyon holes, highland holes, cliff edge holes that are well-suited for the beginning golfer as well as the senior player. McLemore also offers a wonderful six-hole short course called the Karen. Designed by Bill Bergen, the Karen provides players with a short warm-up or cool-down before or after a round, or a relaxing way to improve one's game with family and friends. McLemore is located a short driving distance from Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and just 35 minutes from downtown Chattanooga, voted number one best town in America two years in a row by Outside Magazine. While a private course, McLemore offers stay-and-play packages for guests in club-managed properties, as well as a number of membership opportunities, including social memberships, non-resident memberships, and corporate memberships as well. For more information, please visit McLemore online at themclemore.com or give them a call at 800 800- Three two nine eight one five four. Now back in making her fifth appearance with me here on Next on the T is Dr. Allison Kurt. Let me remind you about Allison's background. She played her college golf at Florida State, where she was a two-time academic All-American. She earned degrees in psychology and professional golf management. She has been named the Western Section Teacher of the Year in 2012, 15, 17, and 18. She is a PGA and LPGA Master Professional. She is one of only nine women to earn the PGA credential and one of only two women to earn dual master professional status. If all of that wasn't enough, she has twice been named Club Fitter of the Year. She earned her doctorate in clinical psychology with an emphasis in sports psychology. She still competes out on the LPGA Tour from time to time, particularly in the Women's PGA Championship. Last year, not only did she become the first woman from Southern California to ever qualify for the PGA Professional Championship over on the men's side, she made the cut, and her second round, 71, was one of the best rounds of the day. And to give you some per- perspective for how tough the conditions were that day, the average score in the second round of the guys who finished in the top 10 was 72.3. Allison shot 71. Earlier this year, she won the Southern California Women's Match Play Championship, and once again, it was the LPGA's Western Section Professional of the Year. And if I continued on naming all of her accolades, All I'd have time to say is hello and goodbye. That's how many great things Allison has accomplished so far in her career. And I'm very excited she is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Dr. Kurt, thanks for coming back on the show. Hi, Chris. It's great to chat with you again. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. And I'm really excited to chat with you. So, Allison, like I mentioned, you've got more awards and recognitions than, you know, I I think any 10 people I know. When I think about you 
it seems like all the time you're coming out on top and, and, and the, the, the drive for excellence that you show is, is probably unparalleled. Talk about what keeps you hungry to continue to, to achieve greater and greater heights. Well, thank you for that. Yes, it's been uh, truly humbling and a great honor to be recognized by both the PGA and the LPGA um, for my contributions and service to the industry. So that always feels really nice to be recognized in that manner. I mean, it certainly validates all the work and um, dedication that I put into my career, my professional playing, um, in any way that I can help in government. I think that Something that really keeps me motivated is the sort of desire to continue to do better, if you will. Um, so when I look at the things that I've achieved, they certainly are stepping stones for me. It's not the top of the peak by any means, but certainly just like another level for me to continue being the best that I can be. Um, so for me, when I feel like I accomplished something, I rejoice in it and honor it, and then I look for the next thing that I can continue to achieve. And that, for me, is really what makes life fulfilling, setting those goals and accomplishing them. And then it's certainly very validating along the way to have people celebrate and support the things that I'm doing. So you have achieved master professional status. Talk about what that means. So the first PGA Master Professional status, we'll start with that first, I received several years ago. And so really have to, at the time, be a member for over eight years and do a pretty in-depth project and present that to um, the faculty members about uh, different areas, whether it's general management, teaching and coaching, retail operations. And so teaching and coaching was definitely my my passion. So in 2011, I was really honored to successfully pass that uh, sort of mark in my career. And for the LPGA, it's, it's quite a bit different. Uh, there's a 10-year mark in terms of when you can start applying for master professional status. And the project is significantly different. It's more of a master's level thesis type work. And so I did a pretty in-depth study that was really fun for me looking at some issues that golfers have and then using some psychological treatment to help them overcome those issues. And for me professionally, to have the highest designation in both organizations certainly is very, very rewarding. It feels fantastic. In in both organizations, we'll go with the PGA first. There's um, your sort of class A membership, then you have a specialized track, certified track, and then you can go into master professional. And for the LPGA, we have our, our class A member um, and then we have master professionals. So to reach that highest level is certainly, it feels fantastic. And it means a lot for me just to be recognized in that small group who has gone above and beyond education to further themselves in, in their field. So, Allison, when you think now, you know, what's next? Is there something else? Is there another level? Is there a tournament? Is there something you're striving for, you're thinking about, like, boy, I really like to be able to add that? Absolutely, Chris. There is always a to-do list of goals and what are the steps for me to to get there. Um, I currently have a, a publication that I'm working on and trying to get that published on the mental side of golf. And that's certainly been a hard sector for me to break into, even with having 
a literary agent, you know, just to get a publishing house to pick up on on a golf psychology book is, is challenging, particularly in this time. And with so much information being online, uh, we see brick and mortar stores for books are not not quite as fruitful as they once were. Um, so that's certainly on my radar. And in a professional way, I'm continuing to find some specialties within psychology to help my students play better and to help my golf clients who come in wanting to improve their mental game. So furthering my education in that with some different psychological modalities is something I'm working on. And and I've been published with my research in golf and psychology, but I'm working on trying to get published into a little bit different type of publication. And so currently um, working on some, some writing with that and having an editor look over my work. And so that's more on the, in the academia side of my golf world, if you will. But in the professional playing world, I've been to, or I will be competing in my seventh LPGA major event in October, provided that everything still goes um, as to fit with the LPGA tour and heading out to Aronimic in Philadelphia to play in the KPMG PGA Women's Championship. And I've yet to make the cut. And so one of my goals would be to to make it through and get four rounds in an LPGA major championship and earn a paycheck on the tour like that would be super exciting. I certainly qualify, continue to qualify for many, many more. Uh, I will say, Chris, that one of the highlights last year from a playing side was qualifying for the first inaugural PGA Women's Cup held at Barton Creek. And that team of five PGA professionals that competed against Australia and Canada Great Britain and Ireland and Sweden, all these different PGA organizations was truly an amazing experience. And the cycle to qualify for that team is every two years. So to earn enough points and try to get on the team again for 2021 would be an amazing experience. So the list could go on and on and and we could take up so much time of all the different things I hope to accomplish and have on my to-do list, but it's very active and certainly keeps my, my fire going. And Allison, you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about getting published, that it's a hard area to break into. And really, golf was difficult for you to, to break into because it's so male dominated. And we talked a little bit about this last time, but are we making any headway into making it easier for women to be a part of this game, whether it's club management and all those sorts of things? Well, I wouldn't say making it easier and and not that women are looking for things to be easier, but maybe more inclusive. I would say yes on that statement. So I I do feel like things are starting to chip away um, to be more diverse and more inclusive of women, um, people of color to be a part of the golf community. And when Susie Whaley became first female president of the PGA, listening to her inauguration speech, if you will, she mentioned how she'd love to make the PGA and the game of golf more resembling what our communities look like, which means diverse. And I think that she's done an amazing job over the past year and a half, going on two years, of making that happen. And just watching the PGA Championship this past weekend, looking at some of the golf commercials, especially the PGA.coach and the PGA.com commercials that we're running, showed a variety of different people coming into the game of golf. Women, people of color, men, children. And I think that's really what we're looking for. We're not looking for things to be easier for from a women's perspective. 
we're just looking to be included and to have a playing field that is that is equitable. So there is some headway, but by far we're nowhere near the end point. Certainly making some good steps in the right direction. And I think we'll continue to make steps in the right direction. Allison, I, I want to put your uh, psychology doctorate to work uh, here for the next couple of questions. And for those of us that have problems, you know, whether we have it's on a certain hole, it's a it's a it's a certain golf course when we're we say to ourselves or our playing partners, boy, I can never par this hole or I always double this hole or I always struggle when we play on this golf course. How can we change that mentally so that uh, we're not defeated before uh, before we ever tee it up? Well, there's a couple of things I think we can do. First of all, the self-schemas we have or the narrative that we tell ourselves is a resemblance of what our, our personal belief is. So self-schema is really our belief about ourselves. So as you're walking into a hole and that script is already starting to replay again, like, here we go again, I always double bogey this hole, or I always hook it in the water, whatever the self-schema might be, you're reinforcing that belief, and you're making reality a much greater chance of actually happening. And so I always encourage my students to say, where can you jump in and start changing the script? Where can the narrative be different? And can we switch those self-commentary and self-statements to something that's a bit more neutral? Not that it even has to be positive, because I'm not all about just being, you know, positive in your mind just to kind of fake it, but to actually have more of a neutral statement. Like, what's the facts? What's the reality that's actually going to happen? I think the second part is after we change our belief and the statements that we use to reinforce the belief is we need to look at the chain of memories that we have on that whole because that's pretty important. So if you do have a history of, of always having a particular shot on a certain hole, as soon as you approach that hole, no doubt you're going to be triggered in some way of past performances. And there are some techniques that you can use to help take those pieces of your memory and process them so they don't become such a trigger. And that's actually one of my areas of specialty is taking traumatic memories, things that have been really bad on the golf course and listening to your your previous guest talk a lot about stuff that's happened on the PGA Tour there's certainly uh, amazing recounts of things that have happened on the PGA that we can say, yeah, it's probably going to traumatize somebody, you know, maybe even um, the putt that everyone was talking about with Ricky going up and trying to tap in the ball from like seven, eight inches and just nearly almost whiffing it, if you will, <laughs> could serve as almost a traumatic memory for short putts moving forward. Um, but when, when those memories become triggered and we stand onto a hole and we start seeing the things that have happened in the past, then we certainly make that closer to a reality. And so we need to start changing the vision of what's the type of shot that you'd like to see using a more neutral um, to slightly positive statement and then changing the picture that you see in your mind will give you a greater chance of hitting a different type of shot on that hole. Allison, uh, one of the sort of themes of tonight's show has been talking about Colin Morikawa's performance over the weekend, particularly on Sunday. And we all marvel at the the tee shot he hit on 16 that really propelled him, you know, cemented, I, I, I would say, his win. But it takes an awful lot of nerve and confidence to pull out driver in that instance. One stroke lead, three holes to play. He said three wood the other days, but he this time he's going to go ahead and he's going to go for it. That takes an awful lot of, of you know, I, I've used the term moxie tonight. 
to to do that. Talk about how yeah, we, the rest of us, you know, instead of playing it safe, when is the right time to have that sort of confidence and then sort of go for it? Because the flip side of that, I think a lot of us would get scared to be able to say, boy, if I don't pull this off, I'm going to blow this. And it's going to become one of those traumatic memories that you just talked about. How, how do we how do we deal with that? Well, it certainly could have gone one of two ways. One is is the one that we saw, which was like the hero shot. and It turned out to be amazing. And the other could have gone completely wrong, hitting an errant tee shot, making a big number, and then losing a lead. I think that it's it's hard to say when is the right scenario because we all have different feels and energy and moods and attitudes from day to day and hole to hole and round to round. And if we, if we tap into that intuition or that gut feeling, how do we really explain the science behind when you have a gut feeling to say, go for it? And when do you have that feeling to say, no, let's go ahead and step back? And knowing Colin's um, swing and mental coach very well, Rick Sessinghouse, I'm sure Rick has worked with Colin on when to balance the cognitive piece, the thinking piece. And when to balance the play piece, the gut piece, where you just see the shot and you go with it. And when a player steps up to a tee, if they're super committed and they see the picture in their mind and they have that true feeling in their body that this is going to happen, it's like you go with it. But if there's a moment of doubt that starts to creep in, that may be the moment that you want to be a bit more conservative and maybe lay up safely and just sort of play from there. But then I also think if you get too defensive, which is sort of what I felt like happened in the LPGA tournament this past week with Lydia Ko being in the lead, I think by seven shots at the beginning of the day and then losing by one on the last hole, that as she started getting into those last couple of holes, it was almost like too defensive, too conservative. And that shows up in the swing as well. So I wish there was like a super easy answer to say, here's when you go for it, here's when you don't. But I do think that a part of it, um, part of the science is listening to your body and listening to um, how your thoughts have been moving that day, what your intuition tells you. And when you see the picture, if you feel like you can trust it because you're somewhat in that zone, you go for it. Allison, I want to get a couple of playing lessons before I let you go. And you've got a great video using a towel that can help us feel the weight shift during our swing. Do you mind sharing that drill? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of players that have difficulty shifting the pressure in their body appropriately to maximize what we would formally call weight shift, but we tend to call more pressure shifting in modern golf, where for a right-handed golfer, as we start to swing back, there's more pressure, let's say, loaded up in the right heel, trail heel. And then as we start to swing forward, there's a shift laterally moving into uh, the left side or the lead side. And a lot of players or a lot of amateur golfers will tend to hang back on that trail side too much or have an ineffective sequence on how they shift their pressure in a particular way. So with that um, certain drill, having a towel or just anything that you can feel underneath your left foot, whether it's just a tee putting underneath your golf shoe, gives you sort of this sensory perception of being able to push down. And when you start to rotate back and, and get to the top of your swing, there's a moment there where things start to move to the lead side. And as a player is starting to shift their pressure into the lead side, to have sort of a sensory feel like you're stepping on a towel or you're squishing out water from a water balloon or just pressing a tee into the ground can help be enough of that force that needs to be moving 
more of the body pressure to the left side to help things start to transition and get into impact a little better. So what I tend to have players do is take a towel and fold it up a couple of times and put it underneath the lead ball of their foot. And so from the top position, as one starts to move down and transition into the downswing, feeling like pressure initially goes into the lead ball of the foot before it shifts into the lead heel can, number one, help the club shallow more and also can start to get more pressure moving left so that you're not staying on the trail side all too long. So pretty simple drill, good feel, good picture, good imagery in order to help get people shifted towards their front side in the downswing. Allison, you also have a a putting drill that I've been using where you take the tube from a a roll of toilet paper and you you press it up against uh, your wrist and uh, it's really made a difference in my putting stroke. Can you share what that drill is like? Oh, good. I'm glad that was helpful for you. Yeah, certainly when toilet paper was um, almost like finding gold in a convenience store, <laughs> there's some fun drills on social media that people were using with toilet paper and, and rolls of toilet paper. So uh, once you finally emptied that that toilet paper roll, having the leftover uh, cardboard circle is sort of a nice piece if you become too risky in your putting stroke. And so for a right-handed player, if you just flip the edge of it, on the uh, butt end of the grip and put some pressure with your left hand against the grip. If you were to make a putting stroke that is a little bit more torso and shoulder oriented rather than forearm and wrist oriented, you can maintain that pressure with that toilet paper roll against the lead forearm, the inner side of the forearm. And if you become too risky and start to um, sweep the golf club back and forth, too much, then that toilet paper roll will start to separate from the inside forearm. I think a good picture um, actually is looking at Bryson DeChambeau's putting stroke where he has a little bit of a longer putter and it's aligned with the inside left forearm. And and he maintains constant connection and pressure in his putting stroke back and through. And so this is something that can help players uh, create that feeling minus the long putter piece is just using that simple at-home component and adding that to the end of the putter grip and then just making their practice swings without a limp, uh, without using their wrist, if you will. Allison, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with the great things that you're doing by uh, going onto your website and then follow you on social media as well. Certainly. So heading over to allisonkurtzgolf.com will give you everything about um, any interest in lessons with me, whether in person or doing some Zoom or online stuff. So that has a little bit about what I'm doing lately, pricing, how to get in touch with me and where I am located, which is in Los Angeles, California. And then certainly social media is the way to keep in touch with everybody and see what everything everybody's doing. There's a lot of great golf content out there now. So please jump over to Instagram. And follow me on AllisonKurtGolf.com as I'm always posting up new content and tips. So something that may help you, just like it helped Chris with his putting and his pressure shift, you might find a golden nugget for your swing as well. Well, Allison, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a delight having you here. I hope uh, I get the privilege of catching up with you again real soon. Thank you so much and always appreciate your shout outs on Twitter and how much you support the golf industry and golf teaching professionals. So thank you for being a big cheerleader and 
a supporter of what we do and everything golf. It's great to know you, and I always appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that very much, Allison. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. See you, Allison. That's Allison Kurt, C-U-R-D-T, AllisonKurtGolf.com. I'm telling you, folks, she's got so many wonderful videos, and she's got some posted on her uh, on her Facebook page as well. And uh, I'm telling you, that toilet paper roll thing has changed my swing. You just take the, the end of that, like she said, and you put it up against the uh, the end of the go- uh, the end of your putter, right, and kind of pinch it there on on the grip when you're when you put your uh, I'm a right-handed player, so when you've got your uh, your left hand there on the putter and you keep the pressure on there, I was you know too wristy. And, uh, you know, I was, I was losing the putt uh, short on the right and, and high on the left. Very, very inconsistent because I was getting very, very wristy. And I, ca- and I came across that video and I started doing that. And I've got a little putting green here in my studio. So just was practicing with that. And it has made a huge difference in, uh, in my putting accuracy. And uh, I can't thank Allison enough for that tip. And she's got many, many more. So go on to her, on to her uh under her website, AllisonKurtGolf.com. Uh, follow her on Instagram and on Twitter. She puts them on there and on her Facebook page as well. She's fantastic. And like I said, if I would have gone through every one of the accolades and the achievements that Allison has had, and she's under 40 years old, so she's one of the best you know, instructors, and you, you'll find one of the accolades, best, uh, best instructor, uh, best four, top 40, under 40. She's fantastic. And it would have just taken forever just to kind of get through that. We wouldn't have time to talk about all the things we did. So looking forward to having Allison back on the show again. Give her a follow. She's a she's a heck of a, a heck of an instructor. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks go out again to Tom Patrick, Mark Carnival, and uh, and Allison Kurt as well. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. You're going to be able to stay up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And speaking of which, Next week, scheduled to join me here on the show are our good friend Bob Friend, you know, former uh, PGA and, uh, and senior tour player, 10-time winner on tour. John Cook will be with me, and another one of the top instructors in the game, Bob Grissett, will be with me as well. You can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great podcasting sites and apps like podcast.co. Can't thank those guys enough for, for what they've been able to do and, and help me with with the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, Radio.com. All those folks can't thank you enough for, uh, for you know, helping us spread the news and spread the show. Very much appreciate all of their efforts. And I appreciate you guys the very most. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tea a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. <laughs>